0: Everybody, how's it going today? Good. I'm doing fine, thank you for asking, appreciate that. So uh, I want to say good morning to our friends in the family room, glad to see you guys today, hope you're having a great day, got a treat for you guys in a few minutes, so a little surprise for you. So um, anyway, yeah, I'm doing good, I'm doing this, uh, I'm, I'm doing these, uh, this training thing for the World Vision half marathon that some of us are doing, so I know, that was a tired woohoo right there ran 5 miles yesterday. I don't even drive my car 5 miles on most days. So, it's like, ah, that's a long way. So, anyway, it's kind of funny cuz I'm I'm watching this whole thing unfold with the race deal and I'm am remembering again how competitive I am. I mean, I'm not going to win the race, let's face it. I'm not going to win. But I want to. You know, which is going to kill me before October 18th when it comes along. So, I don't know how that goes. Anybody here competitive? Oh yeah. A lot of How about you guys? Not so much. Competitive people sit on the right-hand side. (laughs) Okay, that'll be interesting. So I don't know. I got this competitive thing in my body, and I haven't done anything like organized competition like a race or a game or anything for quite some time, so it's like stirring up some stuff in there, which is kind of fun. Um, I got this friend who years ago, he wrote a book, and it was all about about competing sort of in life. The, The book is called Life Counts. And it's one, of those, it's one of those titles that really means two different things. So life counts, life matters. We all would agree with that. But then it also means life counts, like you count stuff. We count stuff, don't we? And so it's, you know, sometimes you can count things in life and sort of keep score. Do you ever, do you ever keep score in your life? Like with your neighbors? Anybody have neighbors named Jones? Because I know what happens. You start counting. I was like, well, how, many, how long has it been since we got a new car? Because they got a new car and we don't have a new car. And we should have a new car if they have a new car. And our car should be better. And you're keeping score. And that's how it goes. So this guy writes this book. And he, he, just, he just creates a bunch of lists. And every list has activities that you could have done in your life or you can still do in your life. It's, this came out before the bucket list idea right? And so it's like, you not only get to do these things, but you get to keep score. So he's got all these lists of things, like fishing, you know, one point for catching a trout, you know, two points for a salmon, ho-ho. So, you know, largest lakes you've visited in the United States, tallest buildings, you know, aviation, what airports have you been to? Just points for everything, right? So I found a few things that uh, are in here that I just thought, no, these are kind of interesting things that he gives points for. Like, for example, Hang gliding. Anybody been hang gliding? Hey. Oh. All right, Greg's been hang gliding, so that's pretty cool. Um, 15 points. Oh, 15. See, I knew it. This book's a little bit old, and today, if you wrote the same book today, that would not be 15. That would be worth 15,000 points. Inflation <laughs> hits everything, right? Flying an ultralight plane. Right here. Oh, back in the back corner. Fantastic. One of the best things I've ever done in my life. Worth way more than hang gliding. No. Not according to my friend. Fly an ultralight. Pilot an ultralight. Ten points. I need an editor. How about this? Change the oil and filter in your own car by yourself. Three points. It's not worth it, my friends. <laughs> Shaking hands with a rock star. Shaking hands with a newscaster. Shaking hands with a police officer. <laughs> okay. Shaking hands with a minister. Oh, how about that? This is awesome. This is the first time I've been on the same plane with Bono. It's fantastic. Each one of those, two points. I mean, all right? so you go down the list. It's really fun. and You can compete. You can keep score. It's just, it's very interesting kind of how it all shakes out. And in the book, my friend who wrote that is a follower of Jesus. So, and so in the book, he gave points for being a regular church attender. Same as flying an ultralight. 10 points. It's like okay, that's whatever. That's that's all cool. And that's kind of an interesting thing, too, because he doesn't define what regular church attender means. I know I know literally thousands of regular church attenders in Folsom. I see them every Christmas and every Easter. They're very regular. They're very they're more regular at church than some of you guys are. I don't so I don't know how you count that thing. They'd get 10 points, we would get 10 points. Okay, so that's all interesting. Uh, we count a lot of things in this world. It's interesting, when we were going through a series earlier this summer, our series in Galatians, we're reading Paul's letter to the Galatians, and we found a phrase in there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, where Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Remember that? only thing that counts. So there's like, so the Bible says there's one thing that counts. It's faith expressing itself in love. And yet in our world, we count all kinds of stuff. We keep scoring all kinds of things. We say there's all kinds of things that matter. And even when you take Paul's words and you go, the the, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love, you go, well, yeah, but how, how do I express it in love? What are the kinds of ways that I can express it in love? And so we thought, you know, let's just take some time as a church to talk about what counts. And admittedly, sometimes Christians who hear that their church is counting get nervous. Some Christians get nervous about the church counting. It's like, oh, you're going all corporate on us, you know, or the only thing that matters is numbers to you guys or something like that. It's like, well, I just have to tell you, we've been counting some things at Lakeside since we started. And some of you are like, good, you know, you have to count because people count what's important. You're never going to make progress unless you're counting and and checking things out. So we, we count what's important. Well, there's an old saying that says, what counts gets counted, and what gets counted gets done. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true. So, so we count what's important. We've been counting the offering at Lakeside ever since we first started giving an offering. You, you're okay with that? Sure, because you go, it, it's important, it matters, right? You might not want me talking about the offering, but you're sure if you give an offering, we better count it before we take, take it to the bank. You don't want us taking this pile of checks and cash, go down the bingo. We don't know how much is here, even the cash. We don't know how much is here. Take what you want, but let us know how much is here. That would not be good stewardship on our part. You would not be happy with us because that matters. And would it surprise you to know that we count people in the auditorium every weekend? We count people in the family room every weekend because you count. You matter. You're important. Aren't people far more important than an offering? So we count, because it matters that you're here, and we'll talk more about that as we go along. We want to take some time over the next few weekends and just do a series called What Counts? And we want to talk about what counts in the church, we want to talk about what counts for those who are followers of Christ, we're going to talk about several aspects of our church life and our our spiritual life, and what counts in those things, what matters in those things, and we're not going to cover everything, but we'll cover a lot of it, and all of these things that we're going to talk about in the next few weekends deal with areas where it's my responsibility as one of the pastors of the church to equip you as the saints of the church to do the work of the ministry. I find it interesting that my friend in the book called people like me ministers. I never used that title for me. I used the title pastor. A pastor is different than a minister because I believe you are all ministers, I believe every one of us has been given a call by God as followers of Jesus to be ministers to others, to be servers of others. But it's my job as a pastor to help equip you to get ready for that. The Bible calls this discipleship. Jesus said, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. It's discipleship. And so that's what we're talking about. We're going to talk about it in terms of what counts. Now, for us, when we uh, start talking about counting things or doing things in the ministry, or what what is our life supposed to be like as followers of Jesus? For us here at Lakeside, it all gets filtered through this lens that we call oikos. Some of you have heard the word; you've heard us use the word oikos. Yes, it's more than a yogurt. So, yeah, so let me just kind of explain this. So we, there, we have this grid or this lens, this filter that we use to, to, to look at everything we do in the ministry and every kind of thing that counts for followers of Christ. It's called oikos. Oikos is the Greek word for household. It can mean your family. It can mean your neighborhood. In, in current language, you might call it your network. It might be people that live near you. It might be people that work in your cubicle row. It might be people that play on your softball team. It's anybody that God has strategically placed in your life, and he says, I want you to figure out how to love them and serve them and care for them, because that counts. And we believe God has strategically, sovereignly placed every single one of us in a group of maybe eight to 15 people, sometimes more than that, but a group of eight to 15 people, he says, I want you to love and serve and care for those people. And so when we look at ourselves at Lakeside, we go, hey, let's, let's make sure we know who our oikos is. Mine is different than yours. And in fact, your oikos will change. You know the plural for oikos, by the way? It's oikoi. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even making that up, right? So that's the Greek word, the plural Greek word is oikoi. So oikoi change. Or the members of your oikos, they change. In my neighborhood, right, in, the, in my mailbox neighborhood, the 15 houses that use my mailbox, four of them have gone up for sale in the last six months. Wow. I'm starting to feel bad. <laughs> I, I, I know my lawn looks terrible, but it's not my fault. There's a drought on. So, you know, I, I don't know. So these houses are going up for sale, and I'm, I'm like, I, they're in my oikos. My next-door neighbors left, they're in my oikos. I've been praying for them, and they They moved. My oikos changed. Oh, but, you know, but, but somebody bought those houses, and somebody else moved in. Now they're in my oikos. I just met my new neighbors last weekend. Like They're in my oikos. Your oikos changes. So about a year ago, we had you take a card, and we said, fill, it, fill this out. Write down the names of the people that are in your oikos or your neighborhood or network, wherever that is. Write their names down, and then just be faithful to pray for them. One of the best ways you can care for your neighbors and love your neighbors is to pray for them every day. And so today we thought, you know what, since, since Oikoi changed, we ought to have a card that you can maybe update yours. Maybe if you wrote one down a year ago, maybe your Oikos has changed. Maybe God has moved people into or out of your life, and maybe it's changed. So in the chair pocket in front of you, there's all these Oikos cards, and I just want to invite you to pull one out. And today or throughout this week, just ask God, now who's in my oikos? Who are the ones that you've given me to network with and connect with? And how you want me to strategically bless them? And write their name on the card and then put it in your Bible where where you will see it every day. Or if you don't see your Bible every day, then put it on your refrigerator. Whichever one you're going to see more often, put it there. And then just pray for them. And ask God how he wants you to be loving them and serving them and caring for them. And see what God does. We talk about what counts. What counts are the people that God has put into our lives. And how do we love those people. So uh, take that uh, as we go into this new new school year. Pray through that and see what God does to us. I want, before we talk about this one aspect of, of what counts in our church today. I want to just... Let you meet a friend of mine uh, who's doing some really good stuff in his oikos. So, Ray, why don't you come up? Why don't you guys welcome Ray Benedetto? Morning, Ray.
1: Good morning. Nice to
0: see you. So, thanks for being with us. Have a seat. Uh, Ray uh, is a lakesider and... Uh, very faithful among us, doing some good stuff among us, and so I just want you to meet him and hear a little bit of his story. Now, your story will not be like his story; it will be different. But maybe the Lord will inspire you through his story. So, how long have you guys been participating at
1: Lakeside? So, Karen and I—by uh, the way, Karen, hello. She's watching in the family room. Nice. So I this want is to the I told you
0: guys. So, you, one of the things you do is you. Um, you run sound for us in the family room a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So they, next door, they recognize you. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. So
1: hello to my peeps. Okay, so you said hi. Oh, yeah, good. So. Yeah, that's good. So um,
0: now tell us, uh, t- again, I, I think I interrupted. How long have you have been here?
1: So nine years and nine years. Uh, starting to actively participate for about a year and a half now. Just started, you know, the process about two years ago. So. How would you get
0: started serving among us? Well,
1: I was asked to uh, run sound at the... Uh, getaway weekend for the women up in uh, Lake Tahoe. You actually went to the women's retreat? I did, and survived. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, it's the only guy there. Was it interesting? It was. Yeah, never yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not,
0: um, so anyway, so you went to the women's retreat, and you, and you managed the sound system for them. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, what I decided to do was I was looking for more ways to serve in the church. So I have a background in uh, disc jockey work. I've been DJing since the 80s. I have a background in sound. Um, so I decided to um, see what else I could do to serve. So then came the family room opportunity to serve. So uh, now it will be a couple weekends a month I'll be over in the family room. And uh, then that turned into serving the seniors ministry once a month. So we get together, and they have a potluck. So I, uh, I have adopted the seniors ministry, and they've adopted me. It's been great. Awesome. So
0: They feed you. They do? Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, and then that, that's led to some other ministry things that you have done for us as well. Yeah. It's, Describe uh,
1: some of those. So, um, you know, when you talk about how God places people strategically in your oikos, um, the Bolins are actually my neighbors. And Karis uh, came to me and she said, hey, could you build a, a chalkboard for Josh's office? So I built built the the chalkboard for the office and um, then Josh came to me, uh, I think a few weeks later and he asked me, he saw these really cool tables in the uh, restoration hardware catalog. They were extremely expensive. He was trying to see if we can build it ourselves. Uh, So I'm really, I'm handy on the wood side, but not real good on the metal. So we found another lakesider that was good at welding uh, the metal frame for the table. And so Josh and I went out and bought the wood, and, and uh, I may have a technique to make it look kind of old. So the, the tables that are actually in the lobby were the result of that project. Yeah, so you did that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now tell us about your costs. You've got a, you've got a neighborhood oikos and a work oikos that, yeah. you,
1: that you think about and pray about. Tell us what you're doing in your neighborhood to love your neighbors. So we host uh, movie night in my driveway. So I have a big 15-foot projection screen. Uh, popcorn machine, and we invite the whole neighborhood over. And the kids lay out a blanket, and they all hang out in front. And then all the adults kind of sit in the back and sit in chairs and watch a watch a movie. Um, you have this like screen permanently attached to your eaves. Wife would not let me do that. No. Oh. So, oh well. but, uh, yeah, Sorry but to bring that up. Then. Oh, no, it's okay. No, okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we the same thing at uh, Halloween time. I set the same screen up. I uh, bring out beam throwers, lasers, bubble machines, the whole nine, and play Thriller on a loop, uh, along with What Does the Fox Say? That was the big one this year. And uh, and just do it a little bit d- differently every year. But we get about 250, two to 250 kids that come by. And that gives me a chance to hang out with the adults. OK, you're winning. Yes. Yeah, you're, so you're, how many you're way ahead got yeah, 250 points. Okay, just cool. for just one for each sure. child that
0: shows up, I think. <laughs> What's your address? Because we're coming next year. Yeah, Darling Way. <laughs> darling Way. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and it's not it's not about like okay who's got the coolest flashiest you know strobe lights or whatever, um, but that's cool. But you're using gifts that you already have the whole DJ thing and all that. You are using gifts that you have to love your neighbors. Right. Right. What kind of response besides 250 people? You have 250 people in your neighborhood? No, there. I think we we import. See, you import. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what kind of what kind of uh, conversations are developing with your neighbors through those kinds of things
1: you know a lot of our neighbors um i have you know the between the uh the Keefies and the Diffleys and, and the Bolens, We have quite a few lakeside families on our street. We probably have about six that aren't and they 're they're they 're kind of on the fence, so we do talk about uh faith and we do talk about you know coming to spend time with us either uh at the you know, like a movie night here or family fun night and you know invite them to you know, spend time with us yeah. here.
0: Yeah, awesome. Okay. So now, what about work? You've got um, a work oikos, too, where some of your uh, co-workers or colleagues, Mm -hmm. uh, you're loving them, too. Yeah. How is that?
1: So it's interesting. So a lot of the projects that I'm doing, the tables and the chalkboards and the magnetic boards, I post them on Facebook. And I have my work oikos also connected me on Facebook. And a lot of them start this dialogue with me about... Why are you investing this time? What are you, you know, what are you getting out of it? So it's actually opened the door for me to witness to them about, you know, why it's so important to me. And, you know, a lot of them are engineers and they're on the fence. They're trying to figure things out. So I get into a lot of those, you know, watch, watchmaker type discussions. Yeah, good. But so, uh,
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Now, I... I never have a screen on my, on my driveway. I never get to do movie night. Um, I did, I think for Halloween last year, we had our, our little portable fire pit out front, and we did s'mores, which I thought was like, knock it out of the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. Today, I realized it was a sacrifice bunt, but, you know, that's cool. <laughs> uh, but, but a lot of us like, well, I, I don't have good ideas. You know, my ideas are, are kind of pokey, and yours are better, and I... I you, did a, you posted something on the table for us, our yeah. our in-house social network at Lakeside. You posted something today on the table with some ideas on it.
1: Right. So what, what I wanted to share is the... Uh, I keep referring to the Bolins because they're just brilliant. Um, but they, they came up with the idea, we live on Darling Way. So they came up with a Facebook page called Our Darling Neighbors. And uh, we have nine of us, uh, nine families out of the 15 that are part of that page. And we share... Um, Everything from I'm setting the, you know, getting ready for the Halloween uh, presentation, you know, everybody show up to Josh posted a tea time that he had uh, scheduled to invite the neighbors to for a round of golf. So it's a cool way for you to communicate what you're doing and whether it's actually you don't have to go and have a projection screen, but if you wanted to host a potluck or say we're planning on going uh, on a trip to Apple Hill on Saturday, invite them. And it's just a cool way to be able to invite people without, you know, you can also, you know, and we did a flyer as well to get people to sign up and yeah. you know, communicate it that way. But it's a awesome. great tool.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah. God yeah. bless you. You're doing great. We right. <laughs> appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So in the Bible, there are very few examples of people that set out to change the world. God kind of left that to the apostles. You know, the apostles would go on these big mission trips and Paul would travel a countryside trying to bring the good news of Jesus to a large portion of the world. But most of the characters in the New Testament are not trying to change the world. They're simply trying to change or influence their world, their household, their network, their oikos. And so God's given you some gifts. God's given you some abilities and God's given you neighbors And we believe it matters, it counts that we love them in every way we can find. So I want to encourage you in that process. Now I want to tell you about something else that counts. Uh, as we go along in the church, we got our staff together uh, f- several months ago, and we said, "Now let's just talk about the things that, that matter in the church, and let's talk about what do we really want to focus on and emphasize, and, and you know what really counts." And so we made a list. On the list includes stuff like you know small groups matter to us. We want people to be in relationship with a small group of people that's going to inspire their faith. And we think reading the Bible really matters. We think if people are not reading the Bible, they're not going to have access to the nature of God in a very clear way. And so we want you to read the Bible. We we said, prayer matters, and so that's, you know, that counts in the things that we really ought to focus on. We made this whole list, and I looked at the list, and I said, you guys, I think we're just taking it for granted. I think we all believe it's important, but it's not on our list. And that was the whole idea of gathering together with the church in our weekend gatherings. It counts that we're here. We have this, we have this interesting phrase that we use in the Christian culture in America. We talk about going to church. We'll ask people sometimes, where do you go to church? You know, where do you go to church? And it's like, you, you know, really the way the Bible describes this, you, you don't go to church. You are church. The Bible knows nothing about church buildings. The Bible says nothing about church buildings. It's not wrong to have them. It's not right to have them. It just doesn't you just don't talk about it. But the Bible talks a lot about us being church and us gathering together with the church. And the gathering together with the believers matters a lot. I want you to see a passage in Hebrews chapter 10 in your Bible. So if you have a copy of the scripture with you, why don't you open it up. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 for a minute and just see this first thing in a series of, of other things that counts or matters in our relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. There's some Bibles on the chair near you. If you don't have one, you can grab one and read along. Or you can just listen, that's fine. Let me read this, and then let's talk about it just for a moment. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. The writer says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... And let us have to cons- and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Some things that matter. In that statement, one thing highly that matters to us, but it comes in three different statements. Anybody here like salad? We've got a few healthy eaters, a bunch of carnivores it looks like to me, but you know, some of you like salad. So, so the writer gives us sort of a lettuce salad here. He's like, let us, let us, let us, let us focus on these things. Okay, so I worked harder on that than the reward I got for saying it. So, it's all right. So let me give you three things he gives us where he says, let us do this. Let us focus on this. So he says in verse 22, he says, let us draw near to God. That's. Start with that. When we come together on our weekend, one of the things we do here is we are intentionally drawing near to God. He says, I want you to draw near to God sincerely, confidently, from a redeemed, baptized perspective. He says, I want you to take everything that God has poured into your life so far, and I want you to draw near to God with those things in mind, with those things in your life's background. Draw near to God. Gabriel, when he was one of our worship leaders here, he, he would lean into the mic sometimes in our, in our singing times, and he would say, make a move toward God. It's a great phrase. Part of gathering together on the weekend with the church family is we are making a move toward God. I want to invite you not to come into church, not to come in and see how easy this is in our culture to say, go to church. I want you to come into the gathering with the believers, not haphazardly. Not even casually. I don't mind if you wear flip flops, and it's okay with me if you wear shorts. I mean, that's that's not what I'm talking about. But to come in casually, having not thought about it. Now, I don't. Want, that's not. He's saying, don't do it that way. He says, I want you to draw near to God. I want you to make a move toward God, and I want you to do it highly intentionally. I want you to pray about it before you get in the car. I want you to be ready before you get in the car. I don't want you to get in the car, throw the kids in, get the right socks on, get them into the car, get them in the church. Drop them off and get mess and come into the auditorium 10 minutes after we start and go, Whew, I wonder what's next. <laughs> now, if that happens to you every now and then, that's okay. Come anyway, but that's not the way to draw near to God. Make a move toward him. Coming to church, being together with the church family is about making a move toward God. And it matters and it will matter in your life if you give it intentionality. And when you come to Sunday morning, you go, okay, it's almost 1045. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to go to church. No, I'm going to make a move toward God. And it's fine. If you're just starting with God and you don't know much about him and this is all brand new to you, that's fine. Make a move toward him. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long, long time you go, oh, I got this dialed in. But it's easy that if you got it dialed in to mail it in. Don't mail it in. Make another move toward God. Every weekend when we gather together, it's about making a move toward God. He says, draw near to God with a sincere heart, a converted mind, a baptized faith that's been covered by the blood of Christ. Move toward Him. And then he says in verse 23, and I want you to hold on to the hope. That you've been given I want you to hold on to it the word hold on to is a word that means to own something without bending it's the same word from which we get our word catechism anybody grow up going to catechism yep. yeah I don't know how that worked for you I've heard stories but I, so I but that was not my background growing up but the whole idea of catechism is someone who's a leader or a teacher will ask you a question and you give them the right answer and it's sort of like being drilled into you, and in, in the idea is in a good way, like drilled in, drilled in, drilled in, so that you don't forget those answers, so that you are able to hold on to the hope without bending. It's a good process. Now, whether it worked for you or not, I don't really know, but the process is good. It's, it's trying to live out this statement. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, because he who promised is faithful. When you make a move toward God and you decide to hold unswervingly to the hope, you are declaring, I believe the God who made promises to me is faithful. And a little bit farther down in the passage, he's gonna say, don't neglect gathering together. Because those who neglect the gathering together with believers tend to begin to lose hope don't let that happen let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we have received and then he says in verse 24 and let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds when we gather together here at lakeside we sing every week we sing It's to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Love toward God, love toward one another. And we give an offering and we hear what's going on in the life of the church so you can be involved in those things. And we hear a message and we pray together and we read the scriptures together. We do all this stuff that we do over and over and over. But it's designed to help us remember to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And it's not my job to spur you on. It's not my job only to spur you on toward those things. It's our job. Let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, you know the Greek word that he used for paroxys? Uh, i gave you the word sorry you know the the greek word that he used for spur one another on you know what that word is starts with para. it's the greek word paroxysmos you're like sorry pastor Brad, i never took greek i don't know that okay do you know the english word that that come that comes from that it's the word paroxysm you know that word no pastor Brad, i didn't take english either No, sorry. No, you wouldn't know that. Paroxysm, it means convulsion. He's talking about be so diligent and so passionate at spurring one another on toward love and good deeds that it's like a convulsion for you. It's like your muscles tense up and you just have to do this. Spur one another on. Another way to translate the word is to provoke one another, which is weird because I usually think of provoking as a not very positive activity. He says, I want you to provoke one another toward love and good deeds. Some of you are on Facebook, right? Facebook has this little um, this little feature on it. I've never really understood. People have used it at me before, but I never really understood what it was. It's called poke. Yeah, yeah people, sometimes on Facebook, people poke me. And I, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. It's like I'm like, stop poking me. What are you poking me for? I don't know. How you, do I poke you back? I don't really know how that goes, but that's really the word that he's using. He says, I'm, I want you to poke one another toward love and good deeds and having said that for three different gatherings now I've got a whole list of people who have been poking me on Facebook (laughs) thank you very much I want you to poke one another toward love and good deeds your deal when you come to the gatherings at Lakeside Church is not just to take stuff in I hope you take stuff in like crazy I hope the stuff that you take in changes your world, changes your life, changes your oikos. I hope that's true. But it's not just about taking stuff in. It's also about stirring up others toward love and good deeds. There's an opportunity on, in the Lakeside Life, there's an opportunity this weekend toward love and good deeds. We've got a whole insert, whole full-page ad about Kids Fest. Kids' Fest is a place where you get to serve and you get to sp- spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And some of you go, oh, I, I, could, I could actually do that. I, I could teach. Or some of you go, I could never teach, but I could help. Some of you go, I'm not even good with kids. Some of you say, I don't even like kids. You could serve at the front counter. None of those people at the counter like kids. Oh, just, no, just kidding. Sorry. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, I mean you can serve, right? It's right there in the it's right there in the program. You can serve and you can take that right out to the to the kiosk today, or you can drop it if you're in the family room or here we got these square barrels. You can just drop it in one of those barrels and we'll get that to them. And maybe that maybe that's a place for you to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then the writer goes on and he says, and do not give up meeting together. It's a really interesting statement. And do not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Even in the first century, some Christ followers got in the habit of missing the meeting. Of missing the gathering. Paul said when you miss the gathering, or the writer, don't know if it's Paul, when the writer... Uh, Looked at the Christ followers there. He said, When you miss the meeting, you start to lose hope. And it's amazing how fast hope slips through your fingers. Sociologists have done us a favor in this regard. They have studied this and they found out that it takes 21 days to start a habit. 21 days, you create a habit. You do the same thing for 21 days, you create a habit. How many Sundays come or Saturdays for us? How many weekends come uh, in 21 days? Three. We can do interactive, that's good. So, yeah, (laughs) do the math. 21, 7, 3. Yeah, three. You know what? If you just show up three weeks in a row, you know what you've created? A habit, a good habit. Some people go, I don't want to go to church out of habit. Why not? It's a good thing. There are good habits. When you show up three weeks in a row, you know what you've done for the fourth week? You've made it easier to show up. Likewise, when you miss the gathering with believers three weeks in a row, what have you created for the fourth week? A habit. And you have made it harder to come back on the fourth week. And it's fascinating what happens in a culture like ours, where we have some resources, it's easy to miss the gathering three weeks in a row. I mean, it's summer. I mean, you go on vacation, and you got little weekends away, and you're like, oh, we're going to get away, and all of a sudden you miss three weeks in a row, and now you've created a habit. And the downside is now you go into the fall, and you got soccer tournaments scattered around the world, and so you go to all these soccer tournaments, and you miss three weeks in a row at least, and then you go into the winter, and it's basketball tournaments, and you go into the summer, and it, or the spring, and it's travel ball, and the next thing you know, it's summer again. Now you just miss three weeks, and miss three weeks, and miss three weeks, and what happens? You've created a habit. And it's a habit that will diminish your hold on hope. And frankly, it kills the hope of many. Let us make a move toward God. Let us hold on passionately to the hope that he gave us, unswervingly. Let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as is the habit of some. Because it matters. It matters to God's heart and it matters to your life. And it helps us to change the world. Jesus, I pray for us today. I pray for us to be faithful. And Lord, there are some in the room probably who, they're pretty regular. They come once a month to the gatherings. And I just would pray for them that they would make a move towards you and make that two weekends a month. And there are some that are already at the gathering participating two weeks a month, and I pray that they would be able to make it three. And I'm sure there are some that are already participating four weeks every month, and they're unhappy that some people have only been challenged to make it two. But Lord, the process for us is we're seeking to make a move towards you, not in a single bound, but week after week after week, so that you are shaping us, spurring us on toward love and good deeds. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and through this church that belongs to you and what you're doing in our lives to shape our oikos and our neighbors and our world. We love you, and together today, we honor you through Jesus. Amen.